C.F. Kane and Sons Audio presents The Digital Pivot Secrets of Online Marketing by Eric Schwartzman with a foreword by David Pogue read by the author Forward by David Pogue. If this whole digital marketing thing is new to you, don't feel bad. You're not alone. In 2012, I gave a talk to a bunch of executives from a $13 billion corporation. Afterward, I asked the organizer if I could email the global CEO to thank her for the hospitality. Oh, no, was the reply. She's not on email yet. This wasn't 1850. This was 2012. The point is, the world moves fast. The tools and rules for marketing change even faster. If you've had your head down trying to make your business successful, you can be forgiven for feeling a little left behind. Not very long ago, what were your options for reaching potential customers? Buying TV, radio, and print ads? Today, though, you have to make sure that people can find your business with their Google searches, ensure that your website immediately gives them what they want to know, send email newsletters that aren't a waste of everybody's time, and cleverly harness tools like blogs, podcasts, online ads, and PR firms. The payoff isn't just reaching many more people. It's also that you can reach the kinds of people who might be interested in whatever you sell and you can find out exactly who's responding to your ads and how much time they're spending learning about you. Don't try that with a TV ad. But unless digital marketing is your full-time job, how would you learn about all this stuff? Oh, sure, you could read digital marketing blogs and watch some YouTube talks, but you'll quickly discover that they're like, Unless your CX is best of breed, your long-tail keywords won't land you high on the SERP. In fact, your KPI won't be any more successful than your inbound lead generation. Get actionable analytics, develop your marketing funnel, and set up your urchin tracking modules. Otherwise, how do you expect to build your psychographics and perfect your attribution model? I was a little worried that Eric Schwartzman, author of this book, would write like that. After all, he spent decades doing, teaching, and influencing the world of digital marketing. Boeing, Johnson & Johnson, and Britney Spears have been his clients. Presumably, Eric used different approaches for each one. Fortunately, he's managed to assume that his readers are human beings. Intelligent. Good at what they do. But without a background in this whole digital marketing thing. He writes like this. Your email marketing campaigns live or die based on the subject line. If you're offering a free demo or trial, don't ask for credit card information up front. The longer your pages take to load, the greater the likelihood a visitor will abandon your site. More often than not, content that goes viral is naturally occurring, not masterminded by marketers. Podcasts draw a more educated, affluent, and influential audience than radio. 
That's as clear and plain-spoken as it gets. No jargon slips by without a definition. No principle is presented without a case history to back it up. This is The Beatles publishing all of their sheet music in one book. This is David Copperfield revealing his own tricks. This is Warren Buffett posting his internal rules for investing. The term digital pivot refers to making the jump into online marketing. As Eric writes, quote, a journey from the old to the new way of doing business, end quote. These days, you have to make that pivot, or you won't survive. The only real alternative to pivoting, he writes, is obsolescence. He's right. Start reading, or, in this case, listening. Streamline your website. Choose your Google keywords. Study the analytics. And for heaven's sake, get on email. David Pogue, author and CBS Sunday Morning correspondent. I'm Eric Schwartzman. And before we start, just a note. Not all, but some of the chapters in this book do have images. If you'd like to view any of them, they're available online at www.digitalpivotbook.com. Okay, here we go. For guiding me through times of great uncertainty, this book is dedicated to my father, Leonard, and my stepmother, Anita. Chapter 1. The Art of the Pivot Megan Fairchild is a principal dancer with the New York City Ballet who can pivot precisely on the point of her toe like a music box fairy. To the layman, she makes it look effortless as she twirls delicately around on a pinpoint, flourishing her arms and hands. But in fact, a pivot turn, or pirouette, as ballet masters call them, is a series of steps so fluidly performed as to appear as a single elegant motion. Megan starts in fourth position, making sure she's balanced and stable. She bends her knees in a plie, pushes off, turns in an arabesque position, and finishes elegantly, like a butterfly landing on a leaf. Megan makes it look easy, but she didn't become a prima ballerina through wishful thinking. She got there through hard work. Megan is a role model to generations of ballet dancers striving for an apprenticeship with the New York City Ballet. As you can imagine, such a sought-after opportunity takes focus, dedication, and persistence to achieve. The world is full of starry-eyed young dancers who dream someday of performing on stage. But before they go on point, they must learn the fundamentals and build up the necessary strength to bear their weight on a fully extended vertical foot or they come tumbling down. Digital marketing or migrating an existing business to digital marketing infrastructure is like a pirouette. The companies that get it right appear to twirl effortlessly 
disrupting their marketplace, dethroning incumbents, and becoming principals in their industry. Unlike ballet, in business, there are more starring roles. And you're about to learn how to land one of them. I'm going to tell you the secrets of the digital pivot. And when you're done with this book, you will understand the steps you need to take to set up, push off, and spin from the old to the new way of generating demand, leads, and revenue. No one would take a ballet teacher seriously who promised students they'd be prima ballerinas at the New York City Ballet in a four-hour work week because it's understood that mastery of this centuries-old art form comes through well-defined stages of training. It takes years to achieve. Digital business, on the other hand, is in its infancy, so there's a ton of confusion about what it is and how to do it well. Many fall prey to digital self-help gurus who promise overnight success with SEO, YouTube, and Facebook ads. But these approaches all fail for the same reason, because they apply the steps out of sequence. The fact is, you need to learn to walk before you can run. These gurus will tell you, all you need is traffic or visitors to your website, but it's a false promise. You don't just need traffic, you need the right traffic. And you need to know what to do with that traffic after it arrives. Traffic is like a pair of toe shoes. You still need the choreography to execute a pivot turn. The four stages of a digital marketing pivot are like the four steps of a pirouette. In this book, you'll learn why some companies succeed and others fail to make a market and generate revenue for their products and services online. Just as the pivot turn is a series of individual steps, so is the digital pivot. Like a young dancer who rushes onto stage prematurely, eager to spin in her first pair of toe shoes, only to fall, most businesses pull back the curtain on their new website before they're ready to perform. I'm going to explain the elegance of a sequential approach to the pivot in a way that brings owned, shared, earned, and paid media together into a thing of beauty that is greater than the sum of its parts. Let's break down the footwork. There are four types of media. The first is owned media, and that's your website or custom mobile app. The second is shared media, which is your social media presence. The third is earned media, which is content about you with a link on someone else's website. And the fourth is paid media, which is online advertising. Of the four media types, owned media is the most misunderstood and overlooked. But it's also the most important because it sets up the digital pivot. Owned media is digital media you own, which means you control the actual layout of the web page and the format of the content. Your website is the core of your digital marketing strategy. Unlike on social media, on your own website, no one is 
displaying their ads against your content, siphoning your traffic away, or collecting commissions on your sales. Before you push off and spin, your owned media presence must be balanced and stable. Without a strong foundation, you can't find your access. Getting ready to convert visitors to your website to customers is the first step of the digital pivot. If you rely primarily on social networks or Amazon to connect with your customers, you'll never be a principal dancer. You're performing on a rented stage. You're twirling before you're ready. And your future is wholly dependent on a third party who can boot you off their platform without notice, like former President Trump when his Twitter and Facebook accounts were shuttered. Before you head off to Facebook and Twitter to invite the world over to watch you pirouette, you need to study the moves. Owned media strategies are informed by concrete research that reveals why people come to you, where they come from, and what they want. To get prepared, you have to anticipate the questions that your buyers will ask when they're considering doing business with you. In person, that's easy. You just answer whatever questions they ask. But you can only answer one question at a time because you can only talk to so many people in a day. Own media lets you answer questions at scale. It's more challenging to educate people online because you have to give them the specific answers they want without overwhelming them. And it has to be easy for them to get answers on a self-service basis. How many times have you considered purchasing something on Amazon but never clicked the buy button? If a product page on Amazon doesn't convert, doesn't provoke you to click, it's usually because of either price or a question that's not answered or that can't be found in the web copy. In e-commerce, if you fail to anticipate what buyers want to know, like the color of the case, which cables they need to plug the device in, or whether or not there's a version for left-handers, you lose the sale to whoever does answer those questions. When considering higher-priced purchases, buyers decide whether or not to contact you based on things like how long it takes to get what you're selling, what kind of volume discounts you offer, or, in the case of services, how soon you can get started on their project. A good website is a collection of web pages that make it easy for a customer to find what they're looking for in as few clicks as possible. A ballet performance has three acts, and a good website provides access to whatever it is you're looking for in three clicks. One common fallacy in our minds is that people always enter through your homepage and proceed from there. But the reality is, search engines guide people quite granularly to the specific page on your site that they seek. On a website, products and services are organized in a parent-child page relationship. And the child pages 
or further broken down by variation. Moving through the hierarchy is often referred to as moving through the sales funnel. But it's nonlinear because the customer journey is a continuum. So there's no way to know in what order they're going to watch your performance. Let's say you're a public relations agency selling client services. Your homepage or parent page is about public relations services. You have a menu with links to child pages about each of the different types of PR services you offer, such as reputation management, crisis management, and media relations. And your child pages all link to a Contact Us page at the bottom of your conversion funnel. Like a set of Russian stacking dolls, the outer shell is the parent page, inside that is the child page, and inside that is the conversion page. The arrangement is designed to convert awareness into purchase consideration. Unlike creative writing or journalism, Web copy does not just have to be informational, but it needs to be memorable, persuasive, and compelling as well. If you don't have a website that's easy to use, well thought out, and answers the right questions to drive revenue, what's the point of investing time and energy engaging prospects on LinkedIn or Instagram? Why spend time on social media outreach if you're not prepared to convert that engagement into purchase consideration or transactions on your own website? Engaging and building community on social media is no substitute for a bad website, and there are more lousy websites out there than there are good social media marketers. Social media has its time and place, but until your website is ready for business, you're not ready to pivot because your website is where you convert leads to revenue. So let's dive in to what it takes to put owned, shared, earned, and paid media outreach into a cohesive strategy so you can pivot elegantly from the old to the new way of doing business. The road to revenue starts with owned media because that's where you generate actual transactions. There's still no shopping cart in a Facebook post or tweet. And even if someday there is, expect to pay a commission on that sale. With the exception of soliciting user ratings and online recommendations, unless your social media marketing or digital PR drives commercial activity, why invest limited resources in awareness-building activities. Remember, shared is social media, and earned is media about you on someone else's website. Optimize the path to purchase first, and you can only do that on your own website. Awareness by itself is useful for major brands with global distribution, but for small and mid-sized companies, Generating awareness without a conversion funnel is like going on point without setting up first, to revert to our ballet analogy. The customer journey may end with a transaction, but when you're engaged in a digital pivot, building an effective conversion funnel is where the journey begins.
You can sell more Girl Scout cookies in front of a cannabis dispensary than a gluten-free restaurant. And you can generate more transactions if your website is optimized to help people searching for answers to the kinds of problems you can solve. You acquire leads when you focus on the right customer in the right place at the right time. Selectively inviting people to your website starts by understanding the digital journey your potential customers take when they're looking for solutions to problems you can solve. The four-step pivot. The fastest way to generate returns is by putting these four steps together in this order. Step one, the setup, owned media. Whoever controls the layout controls the payout. If you don't control the user experience, you can't control the customer experience. The proximity of your content to the transactions you seek to make directly impacts the probability of conversion. In Chapter 11 on Lead Generation, I'll break this down in detail. But for now, close proximity means on the same web page, rather than one click away. If you can't experiment with the layout of the web page, you can't optimize for conversions. And you can't change the layout of the page on Amazon, Yelp, or LinkedIn. That's why in a digital pivot, web pages precede social media posts. The owned media setup also involves making it easy for people to convert. The next three chapters of this book are all about getting set up for your pivot. But for now, just be aware that you use your website visitor tracking counts to measure how people consume your content and whether or not they find what they're looking for. For considered purchases, which are products and services you need more time to decide on, a visitor's engagement activity on your website signals when prospects are ready to engage. Reach out too quickly, and you'll scare them away. You can even use web analytics to forecast revenue, as long as you know the percentage of visitors that convert to sales. The next chapter of this book is all about reading the digital tea leaves, so I won't go any deeper here, but you can measure owned media much better than shared media or earned media. And armed with those insights, you're in a better position to improve performance. There's an entire marketplace of vendors out there with software you can use to score prospects based on how engaged they are with your content. And we'll cover some of my favorites in this book. These web analytics software packages let you tally up everything from how many times a prospect opened your email campaigns to what pages they visited and how long they stayed. And you can use that engagement to separate warm from cold leads. Unless you have a healthy advertising budget, it's much easier to generate conversions on your own website than it is on someone else's because on your own website, you control the layout of the page. You can match 
lead conversion magnets with content offerings by topic, problem, or need. If you're selling LED lighting for sports arenas, you might use a set of sports lighting design guides for different types of sports fields as a lead magnet to get visitors to give you their email address. If they download a sports lighting design guide for a baseball field, there's a good chance they're in the market for sports lighting. The idea is to calibrate your content to get found by the right people at the right time. But obviously, you can't calibrate content without a website because that's where you convert leads and drive revenue. On your own website, you can insert forms to collect lead information or transact e-commerce. You can't do that on someone else's website, at least not without sharing your profits. Own media is where you build and optimize your conversion funnels. Without that, there's nothing to optimize. So your owned media presence is the foundation of your digital pivot. Step two, pushing off, shared or social media. Social media is media you share on someone else's website. You can't build conversion funnels on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn because you don't own them. But you can share content with a vibrant community in hopes of luring them to your website. The media you share could be text, images, audio, and video. But you share it with others on a social network rather than on your own website. You use social media to connect with a community that's actively discussing the problems you solve. Instead of solicitations, however, the objective here is to start conversations with influential subject matter experts and grow a community of followers. When you have conversations on social networks with online influencers, you do so in front of their followers, which widens your reach. The important thing to understand is that on social media, reach is a factor of engagement. Unless people like, comment, and share what you have to say, no one sees it. So pushing off is about figuring out where your customers are most active online and who they trust so you can find your access. To find customer-rich environments, you have to listen to the conversation for evidence of purchase-making decisions by conducting an audit with a social media monitoring platform. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube offer their own, albeit limited, usage stats. There are premium tools as well for monitoring broader social media usage. Search social media monitoring for a complete list of current providers or download my Media Monitoring Buyer's Guide, a software agnostic guide to setting up media monitoring programs, which includes reviews of the top 10 platforms and a features comparison chart with user ratings. By listening for hot pockets of activity that are relevant to your business, you can identify which social networks are important for you to be active on, who the influencers are in your space, and who has the greatest potential to amplify your message. 
through constructive public interactions, you have the chance to establish your profile and build your own community of followers in stride. And the absolute fastest way to build an online following is by winning the respect of the existing influencers in your space. A vibrant community of followers proves your legitimacy to potential clients, other subject matter experts, conference organizers, and the news media. This evidence, or social proof, adds to your credibility and helps advance prospects who might be interested in what you're selling. But keep in mind that traffic to your website from social networks is usually not as good as traffic to your website from Google search. Unless you're selling a low-cost impulse purchase like a phone case or a t-shirt, visitors coming from social networks are more fickle, leave your site more quickly, and typically have a lower commercial intent to finalize a purchase. Facebook and LinkedIn are designed to generate conversions for their advertisers. The product they sell is your attention. So the longer people stay on their platforms, the more attention they have to sell. Social networks have their own funnels, and they're optimized for their advertisers. So the deal on social networks is you get to post content for free, but they get to make it difficult for people to leave, and they get to display ads to the highest bidder in close proximity to your posts. Social networks siphon away the traffic you generate to benefit their advertisers. There's a Silicon Valley saying that goes something like this. On the internet, if something is free, you're not the customer, you're the product. Since Facebook sells your attention to their advertisers, you're the product. You get to use Facebook for free and they get to build a dossier of your hopes, dreams, and fears that they can sell to their advertisers so they can develop marketing campaigns that appeal to your psychology. That's not to say pushing off into social media can't be lucrative. The U.S. has embassies in many hostile nations, primarily because of economic interests in their resources. You might consider building embassies on social networks whose policies you disagree with for the same reason. But on your own website, you control the user experience, so owned media is always going to be a much more powerful lead generation channel. That's why it comes first. Social media is where you demonstrate community endorsement. If online influencers are among those endorsements, all the better. Step three, spinning, earned media. The spin is the most glorious part of the pivot. It's where you puff out your chest, raise up your arms, and earn the admiration of your customers and industry. Remember, earned media is content by or about you that's hosted on an influential third-party website, blog, or podcast. The harder the website is to get published on, the more glorious the admiration. 
earned media includes writing and submitting bylined articles, pitching story ideas to online influencers and the news media, speaking opportunities, and entering to win industry awards. Once your owned media is set up and you've made the push into social media and built a modest following, you're ready to twirl. Earn Media takes its direction from an audit which identifies the news media outlets that are most influential with your potential customers. You can do a basic media audit by searching your key competitors on Google News and seeing what comes up. I also cover earned media monitoring extensively in my Media Monitoring Buyer's Guide. The objective of earned media outreach is to get found by new audiences to and through relevant online influencers and news media outlets. When I ran promotions at a global public relations agency, we sent press kits to reporters and followed up by pitching story ideas via phone. That was before I launched IPR software and the website killed the press kit. Now, every company worth its weight has a website, and a website is digital media. So every company is a media company. The news media no longer has a lock on distribution. The internet democratized information distribution because it gave anyone with a website a way to distribute digital media worldwide. But the internet also frustrates segmentation. Unlike in the old days, when only the media you selected got your press kit, everyone gets everything online. You can't give one message to one audience and another message to another audience without some overlap. On the internet, you're pitching the media, customers, prospects, and new hires all at once, often on the same page. Your website is your media center, online newsroom, store, and where you find employees all at the same time. And it's the primary tool third parties use to assess you for possible coverage. So it needs to be relevant for reporters, prospects, customers, and job candidates alike. Because when you pitch, they Google you. And if the results they find don't reinforce your message, there's a disconnect between what you say and what they see, and it damages your credibility. If you're pitching an editor to publish a guest contribution on their website and you can't provide links to sample articles you've written on your own website, why should they believe you're a good writer? If you can't demonstrate your ability to articulate ideas and construct cogent arguments on your own website, why should they believe you can do so on a much larger stage? That's one of the many reasons companies maintain blogs on their websites. They want to show the world that they can advance ideas of interest with a new twist. Rather than regurgitate what everyone else is saying, the idea is to take a thought leadership position on timely, important ideas. The news media and popular blogs 
exist to publish new ways of thinking. So it's always easier for thought leaders to earn media coverage. The objective is to establish yourself as a thought leader rather than a thought repeater. Earned media is about getting visibility, credibility, and links from high-profile websites that lead back to your website. You start by submitting guest posts to relevant blogs in your industry. If they get published, you're rewarded with a link back to your own website. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of how Google determines search rankings in Chapter 4, but backlinks from high-profile websites lift your search rankings. By getting links to your website from respected publications and blogs, you also build your credibility. When another site links to yours, it's considered an implied endorsement from a neutral third party. That reinforces your influence with people who don't know you. Because if a credible website is linking to you, it underscores your legitimacy even more than a large following on social media does because journalists are considered to be experts in whatever they cover. So if they write about you, you must be important. At the same time, if a high-profile media outlet publishes your article, they're essentially endorsing your point of view. Earn Media has the greatest potential to grow your reach. Because we are a tribal species, we tend to trust messages from people in our own tribe more than messages from other tribes. Guest posts also underscore your credibility with reporters and journalists. So contributing to respected media outlets is a good way to get the attention of reporters. The path from nano to mega influencer online moves through each of the four media marketing channels. Own media is the setup. Shared media is pushing off. Earned media is turning on point. And paid media is the landing. Of all four steps, earned media offers the greatest leverage. Step four, the landing, paid media. Now that your owned, shared, and earned media programs are operational, and you're driving revenue organically, you're ready to land into advertising. You've figured out how to attract and convert customers online, and you've optimized the path to purchase. Depending on your line of business, the last stage of the pivot is the landing. By now, you've proven your ability to generate leads in commerce, you know what percentage of visitors convert into leads, what percentage of leads become customers, and how much the average customer spends. Now, as long as you can generate more revenue than it costs to acquire a customer, you're ready to scale through advertising. You forecast revenues by multiplying the conversion rate by your traffic counts. If you know that half of all leads request a proposal and that a quarter of all proposals result in a sale, you could figure out 
how much traffic you need to hit your numbers. Online advertising isn't for everyone. If your content is desirable enough, you can drive growth entirely through owned, shared, and earned media. When there's a glut of useful information online about the problems you solve, you can fill that vacuum with worthwhile content and come out of your pivot without having to buy any advertising at all. But paid media is the last step of the digital pivot because you don't want to drive traffic until you're prepared to profit from it. There is, however, one exception. Dancers practice pirouettes without actually turning. They just balance for two counts and rehearse coming down gently as a sort of exercise. If you've secured funding and you don't have time to build traffic organically, you can use paid media to help you practice too. Paid media accelerates the testing process by sending you bursts of traffic fast so you can collect statistically relevant feedback on your page layouts, content, and conversion funnels. Without a large enough control group, you can't see what's working, and building organic traffic takes time. Paid media solves that problem. One common way marketers use paid media for the setup phase is to test product names, promotional language, and marketing copy. For example, let's say you're on the fence about what words to use to describe a new product or promotion. You can set up Google Ads and run a quick test and see which ones convert best. That way, you save yourself the time of having to attract enough visitors organically to your own website to draw a conclusion. Google Search has tons of traffic, so they can give you statistically relevant numbers quickly. We take advertising messages with a grain of salt, particularly in B2B, because we know advertisers say good things about themselves to sell their products. Their bias is conspicuous and typically only overcome through creativity. Anyone can buy traffic through paid media, but when you run out of money, your traffic stops. In his book, Content Chemistry, Andy Crestadina likens sources of traffic to riding in a boat. Social media and email marketing are the oars. The harder you row, the more traffic you get. But stop rowing and you stop moving. Paid media, on the other hand, is the motor. As long as you have money for gas, you can advance, but run out of gas and you're dead in the water. Search engine optimization is like the wind. It's less predictable and you can't switch it on or off, but if you can harness its power, you can relax and sail the seven seas for free. I've search engine optimized many websites that rank on page one for high commercial intent keywords. Many of them I haven't touched for years. Particularly in niche B2B industries, it's still possible to launch a site and get on page one in a matter of months and stay there indefinitely 
without much additional work. But even if you're flush with cash, need immediate results, and opt to drive traffic with paid media sooner, you still need to get your owned media set up first. So there's an easy to find and follow path to purchase. Depending on the length of your sales cycle, combining advertising with content marketing can be a good way to stay in front of past visitors to your website through a process known as retargeting. SEMrush, a provider of SEO research and analytics tools, uses paid media to drive traffic from Google to a landing page designed to convert visitors into leads. In this case, they're using a pay-per-click ad on Google to get found by people who search the phrase SEO tools. It's called pay-per-click because SEMrush only pays Google if someone actually clicks their ad. If they do, SEMrush directs them to a landing page designed to convert them into a free trial user of their service. SEMrush puts a cookie, or little snippet of code, on the visitor's device. That way they can follow them to other websites like Facebook and Amazon and show them more ads. This is called retargeting. They use text search ads to drive awareness and identify prospective customers and retargeting to stay in front of people who click their Google ads. SEMrush sells access to their SEO research service as a monthly subscription. Since subscriptions are an ongoing commitment, they're treated by digital marketers as considered purchases. On average, it takes SEMrush around 15 impressions to convert a prospect into a trial user, according to Anna Lebedeva, who heads growth marketing at the company. Note that this trial user still hasn't paid them a cent, so they're doing all this just to collect leads. In addition to paid media, SEMrush drives traffic through other channels as well. With a competitive web analytics tool called SimilarWeb, you can see one, which channels drive the most traffic, two, how each channel performs against the industry average, and three, which channels deliver visitors who stay the longest. SEMrush gets much less traffic from email and referrals than the industry average, but they get more traffic than most through organic and paid search. In terms of visit duration, their best traffic is direct traffic, followed by email. Social and organic search are both close for third place. Seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? Well, it is. But so is cold calling. And considering the direction that business is heading, do you really have a choice? Why do you have to learn to do it yourself? Why not just hire someone to do the footwork for you? It's a fair question that deserves a good answer. So let's stop for a minute and talk about why learning to pivot has become so integral in business today. Minding your own business. Before the outbreak of the coronavirus, 
there were plenty of small and mid-sized businesses that got along just fine with a static website. These guys published an online brochure and sat the digital revolution out. They dazzled prospective customers with amazing sales pitches, charisma, and charm. Instead of maintaining a dynamic website and SEO, they took prospects out to lunch, sporting events, and around a golf. And some relied on foot traffic at retail operations. Others spoke at conferences and exhibited at trade shows. And still others used aggressive outbound channels like telemarketing, unsolicited email, and cold pitches via direct message on social networks to spray and pray. But after the global pandemic shut down the travel and hospitality industries, which made conventions and trade shows possible, engaging customers in person was no longer an option. In a world where customers had already started screening their emails and calls, a lockdown meant outbound sales all but collapsed overnight. Remember, outbound marketing is cold calling, sending unsolicited email, and direct messages on social networks. Inbound marketing is getting found through Google organic search, conversations on social media, and links from coverage on third-party websites. So inbound marketing is owned, shared, and earned media. During the Spanish flu pandemic in 1919, restaurants removed spittoons from their establishments because aerosolized saliva spread the disease. But even after a vaccine was discovered and the global population was inoculated, those spittoons were never replaced. The Spanish flu pandemic had an enduring impact on behavior. Expect many of the things we took for granted, like face-to-face -face sales meetings, conventions and on-site training, to be forever changed by the coronavirus as well. The physical restrictions imposed by the global pandemic were a wake-up call to everyone. It accelerated the shift from the old to the new way of doing business, especially for small and mid-sized companies that had never learned to pivot. With trade events gone, many had no choice. Not only had $101 billion in travel spending fueled by trade shows and conferences evaporated overnight, but the business deals that would have gotten done at those industry gatherings sputtered too, tightening markets. Digital was the only engagement channel left standing and those that couldn't adapt went out of business. But amongst all the carnage, technology providers and early adopters that had already pivoted to digital saw staggering growth. It wasn't just big tech players like Amazon that got richer. Up-and-comers like Zoom, Peloton, and Slack saw share prices soar and demand for talent skilled in the art and science of all facets of digital business grew stronger despite record unemployment. Those with a static online brochure for a website were suddenly laid bare. 
They could no longer generate leads or transactions with their analog wine-and-dine workarounds. They missed out entirely. Unlike outbound sales, which focuses on relationships you already have and introducing yourself out of the blue to people who don't know you, inbound marketing is about getting discovered by people who have never heard of you, but who self-identify online with a problem you can solve. If you can't press the flesh, you must reassess. This is an exponentially larger market than the number of people you can approach, pitch, and close one by one. Rather than distracting people with cold calls and cold emails, you attract people with problem-solution-oriented content designed to get found by those in need. In outbound marketing, you search for customers. With inbound marketing, they search for you. Minding your own business is minding your ability to win purchase consideration online from people who've never heard of you. It's about minding how you're getting found and who's finding you. It's about automating the lead generation process through organic inbound channels, such as own, shared, and earned media. You still have to close the deal, but demand generation happens organically. Customers self-identify, and opportunities come to you so you're no longer investing energy manually qualifying leads one by one. Since you've automated the lead generation piece of the puzzle, you can focus your sales efforts on converting qualified leads. Increasingly, if you can't get found by prospective customers online, you can't compete. And if you can't compete, you're on your way out. Maybe fast, maybe slow, but ultimately you're on your way to obsolescence. The U.S. Small Business Administration reports that 40 to 60% of small businesses never reopen after a disaster or public health crisis. That's not all. More than 40% of the nation's 30 million small businesses could close permanently because of the coronavirus pandemic, according to a poll by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce cited in the New York Times. Digital monkey business. Unfortunately, there are bad actors out there giving lead generation a bad name. Let me shine the light on these monkeys so you can recognize them and steer clear. Spammers. They sell email lists of addresses that are scraped and harvested off the Internet. Unwitting clients buy such lists, upload them to their email marketing platforms, and carpet bomb the world. Few recipients open their emails if the spam even gets through, and those that do make it into the inbox only serve to annoy the recipient. If enough people mark your email as spam, which it is because they never signed up to get your email, your entire web domain could get blacklisted and all your email could get blocked. We'll dive deeper into email marketing in Chapter 6, but don't take the bait and buy lists from these tricksters. 
link farmers. They call themselves SEO consultants, but they actually sell inbound links from link farms, which are essentially worthless websites no one visits that publish links back to their clueless customers' websites. Google sees through this scam. They may even regard those backlinks as toxic. Sites with too many toxic backlinks can get punished and manually demoted in organic search rankings by Google. Don't buy inbound links. Google's artificial intelligence is getting better at debunking this cheat every day. Social media gurus. These are high-energy, motivational types who prey on folks who are new to digital marketing with advice that's so generic and basic, it's essentially useless. Some are actually top-rated bloggers and podcasters with legions of followers. Many have made a business selling the equivalent of picks and shovels to prospectors mining for digital gold. You might think you're too clever to fall for one of these swindlers, but clients spend millions of dollars on this kind of monkey business annually. In a world where we screen out the messages we don't want to hear, the only way to break through is with content that's so good, people actually elect to pull it through their filters. The difference between monkeys and mavens are their methods and their media. The illusion of self-control. While no two customer journeys are exactly alike, most paths to purchase begin on Google. We think we're avoiding pushy salespeople by getting self-educated about how to solve our problem by ourselves online, but the truth is we're consuming content marketing materials that were created to get found and pull us into a marketing funnel. So we may be avoiding the pushy salesperson, but we're still being sold. When my team built the online newsroom for Toyota, our goal was to make it easy for people to learn anything they might want to know about their cars online. That way, when buyers walked into the showroom, they'd be ready to buy. Prospects who use the content on your website to learn about you are self-qualifying as potential buyers. The more time they spend getting educated, the more qualified they become. By learning about you, potential buyers decide if you can satisfy their needs. If they can find the information they need to decide whether or not they want to do business with you, you don't have to waste time searching blindly for prospects to ask if they have a need. The more you engage with qualified buyers, the more deals get done. Why waste your time with tire kickers if you could be talking to qualified buyers instead? More qualified leads in, more sales out. It's simple math. You still have to sell, but you don't have to prospect. The digital pivot is essentially reallocating the resources you used to invest in outbound marketing into inbound marketing. Once you've learned 
the basics of inbound marketing, you can compete online and leverage the power of automation to grow your business. You don't have to be Toyota to use the web to generate leads. With the right guidance and skills, anyone can do it. And increasingly, for those still in business, everyone must do it. Outperforming online requires an owned media presence that can be found by prospects so they can qualify you as a contender. There are plenty of monkeys out there who will promise you shortcuts, but there are none. You need to diversify and modernize your skills. The good news is you don't need to be a specialist, but you do need general knowledge of how it all fits together, and that's what you're going to get in this book. You're going to get a practical framework for executing a digital pivot. Remember the legend of hammer-swinging American folk hero John Henry, whose physical strength was tested in a race against a steam-powered rock-drilling machine. John Henry won the race, only to die, hammer in hand. He was small-minded. His resistance to innovation is the same kind of short-range thinking that put major brands like Blockbuster, Kodak, and Radio Shack, and countless small and mid-sized companies out of business. Instead of learning the digital pivot, they resisted and stumbled to their ultimate demise. Digital business is only getting more competitive. Technology doesn't wait. It keeps advancing. Resistance is futile. So let's get you on your feet so you can learn to pivot. Each of the chapters in this book will build your skills and grow your confidence, walking you through the steps of a digital pivot to a brighter, more profitable, and more effortless tomorrow. This concludes Chapter 1 of The Digital Pivot, Secrets of Online Marketing by Eric Schwartzman with a foreword by David Pogue. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this audiobook, go to digitalpivotbook.com and purchase it right now.